Hello everyone, this is Cindy from Mistresses of Murder, and I'm going to tell you the Mitchell Page case. On May 21, 2021, a welfare check by the Miami County Sheriff's Department uncovered a grisly triple murder in Peru, Indiana. Victims included 26-year-old Jessica Sizemore, her partner, 37-year-old Jessa Hall, and their 4-year-old daughter, Ray Lynn. The couple's two-year-old son was also found in the home, alive and traumatized after several days. Shut in with the bodies of his murdered family, and sadly, he's not the only child who lost a parent that day. Jessica Sizemore also had a daughter from a previous relationship, a little girl whose father now awaits trial for murdering her mom, her stepdad, and sister. This is Mistresses of Murder, and you're listening to the Mitchell Page case. Jessica Sizemore was born November 7, 1994, in Indianapolis, Indiana. The daughter of the late David and Crystal Sizemore, Jessica graduated from Jeff High School here in Lafayette in 2014 and held a position as a correctional officer at the Miami County Correctional Facility at Bunker Hill. In addition to her career, she dedicated herself to homemaking and was in the process of furthering her education. Her interests included pool parties, music, singing, and spending quality time with her three children. As of 2021, Jessica was in a loving relationship with her partner, Jessa Hall, who fathered her two youngest kids and was a stepdad to her six-year-old daughter from a previous relationship. Jessica's ex, 25-year-old Mitchell Page was still involved in her life and in the lives of her extended family. He's often He was often frustrated by the logistics and the legalities involved with child support and visitation, but the family was doing their best to manage. When interviewed, Mom said that Mitchell seemed to genuinely love Jessica and his daughter and prioritized the relationship despite the challenges. Jessica and Jezza had been living in a trailer park in Peru, Indiana while preparing to buy their first house and planned to move into their new home later that year. Everything seemed to be moving in a positive direction until one week in May when Jessica's mother couldn't reach her by phone. After several days, Crystal began feeling concerned. She reached out to Mitchell to see if he'd heard from her, but he brushed it off saying she'd been stressed about home buying process and was probably sleeping in. This did not put Crystal, her mother's mind, at ease, and after a couple more days, she called the police and asked them to do a welfare check. On arrival, officers discovered three family members dead, each shot in the head. They also found a two-year-old wandering about the house distraught and severely dehydrated but otherwise uninjured. Can you imagine? I mean, several days. Nobody's been there, and this little baby has just been trying to figure it out. He was taken to the hospital for treatment and then placed in custody of Child Protective Services. Names and descriptions of Jessica's surviving children, both her two-year-old son and her six-year-old daughter, have been kept confidential for privacy and safety reasons, of course. However, Raylan was described in her obituary as an outgoing and always cheerful child with a contagious smile and a smile that could warm the coldest heart. She loved playing with her incredible Hulk figure and had a fondness for King Kong. Her favorite movie was The Trolls, and she would happily watch it on repeat. My daughter loved that movie, too. 
Raylan enjoyed her siblings' company and and the three would play tirelessly together in nearby parks. She loved singing, dancing, and had a penchant for taking pictures with stolen phones. So she'd snag up your phone, and she knew how to make the camera work, and she'd take pictures. Jessa Hall was a loving father with an equally vibrant personality. Jessa loved his kids first and foremost, but also enjoyed being on the water, fishing, disc golfing, and gambling, and writing music. Investigators moved quickly to process the evidence at the scene and soon discovered that the murders had likely occurred five days prior. That baby been in that house five days with bodies. Ugh. On May 16th, a witness, a neighbor who'd been working on the roof of the house across the street, reported they saw Mitchell enter the house that day, leaving his daughter to wait in the car. He was inside for about 10 minutes, during which the neighbor reported hearing three shots. Then why didn't you call the police? He also thought he may have heard more a little later. Then Paige exited the house, got in the car with his little girl, and left as if everything was normal. Unfortunately, the neighbor had failed to report the gunshots. Yeah, unfortunately. And, ah, that's so sad. And this information only came out after investigators began canvassing the neighborhood almost a week later. When police spoke to Paige's daughter, she relayed a similar story. She told police that her dad had come to pick her up for visitation, but after they got in the car, he had rolled up the windows, turned on rock music, and gone back inside for a little while before returning to the car to head to the house as planned. Now, she's six. There was no indication in the newspapers as to whether or not she heard gunshots. It's a trailer, so it's weird to me that a whole lot of people didn't hear gunshots, but... A lot of people work during the day, and the little girl's six. Regardless, these two testimonies set a clear trajectory for the investigation. Mitchell Page was their primary person of interest. Interestingly, Jessica's family did not immediately suspect him. In fact, in an interview with, interview with Fox 59, Jessica's mother described her shock in learning that Mitchell had been arrested. The police presented her with a probable cause affidavit and explained that they would not have made the arrest without overwhelming evidence. So the mom thought that he was being all grown up and not being a worthless piece of shit and was trying to be a good dad to his daughter without being terrible, but apparently that was wrong. According to reports, the Page had told law enforcement that he had owned a 9mm Smith & Wessel S&P model pistol that sold it the year prior to the homicides. However, according to the affidavit, law enforcement discovered the gun in a trailer adjacent to the garage at Page's home. Afterward, an Illinois State Police firearms examiner conducted a test firing of the weapon in which he told investigators the markings on the weapon and the casting casing recovered at the crime scene matched. The report also disclosed that the preliminary chemical test on a swab taken from the muzzle of the confiscated pistol indicated the presence of blood. However, it emphasized in the affidavit that this test was presumptive, necessitating further analysis for conclusive confirmation. Based on the evidence and testimonies previously mentioned, Mitchell Page was arrested May 23rd and charged with three counts of murder, to which he pled not guilty. Page will stand trial by jury before sentencing and stands to serve 45 to 65 years for each count plus $10,000 fine if convicted. 
Following his arrest, Paige's six-year-old daughter, who allegedly at the center of Mitchell's disputes with Jessica and Jessa, was placed in CPS custody, so he didn't want a damn thing. Now, here are the things, here are where things bogged down. After a short investigation and swift arrest, Paige's trial, which was originally scheduled to end at the end of 2021, has been repeatedly postponed due to, mo to motions filed by his defense attorney. On September 14, 2023, a hearing was held to address several motions filed by the defense, focusing on key aspects of the trial, which is scheduled for the following month. During the proceedings, Judge Timothy Spar presided over arguments from both the prosecution and the defense regarding the defense motions. Notably, Page sought to suppress the crucial piece of forensic evidence to limit the discussion of specific evidence in the presence of the jury and exclude a witness identified by the defense. Judge Spry granted certain motions filed by the defense, including the separation of witnesses, exclusion of bad conduct, and character evidence in front of the jury. Exclusion of the status of Page's child support obligations without approaching the bench and prohibition of using exhibits as part of the opening statements. However, the judge did not grant a motion to initially exclude any evidence related to the disharmony or arguments between the defendant and the mother of his children. Another motion prohibiting the discussion of geolocation until foundation was laid was also denied. However, the judge did not rule on suppression of evidence or exclusion of witnesses because the state's witness was not able to attend the hearing due to scheduling conflict. The defense's motion to suppress evidence argues that the search, during which the handgun was recovered, was not lawfully executed, citing the deposition of the defendant's father, Mark Gosney, and the defense claims the police were already conducting the search when he returned home. The defense argues that the search where the handgun was recovered began before an announcement of authority and a statement of purpose could be made rendering it unreasonable, so an unlawful search. If it is determined that the gun collected through unreasonable search and seizure, a key piece of evidence could be thrown out technically over technicality and potentially alter the results of the trial. Judge Spar indicated that the eventuality hearing on the motion to suppress would be rescheduled as soon as the witness schedule allows. <laughs> Accordingly, the court will address the state's motion to exclude witnesses at that time. He also announced that Page's jury trial was slated to commence October 7th and is scheduled to run until the 13th, but it was again rescheduled after Page's attorney filed a motion to suppress another testimony just days before the trial. A few days before the trial was set to begin, the defense filed yet another motion to bar the testimony of yet another witness. It's worth noting that the court has the discretion to exclude relevant evidence if its probable value is significantly outweighed by the potential result of an unfair prejudice. Confusion of the issues, misleading the jury, undue delay, or unnecessary presentation of cumulative, cumulative evidence. This legal principle aims to ensure a fair and efficient trial process by weighing the value of the evidence against the potential negative impacts it may have on the proceedings. 
This discretion allows the court to maintain the integrity of the trial and promote the just resolution of the case. Of course, when multiple exhibits and witnesses are suppressed, this doesn't tend to raise eyebrows among the public. In the end, it is a critical decision comes down to the judge and the bench. So for now, the case continues. Evidence that the arrest is false. <laughs> Oh, it's far from the end of the journey towards justice. There are many left questions left to be answered and consequences determined. Among the most important questions, is Mitchell Page guilty or not? In a recent interview on the case, Judge Spar cautioned against drawing conclusions prematurely. In our justice system, individuals are innocent until they're proven guilty in a court of law. It is especially important to maintain this mindset in jury trials such as this. After all, no one is served by wrongful conviction. It remains to be seen what will come of this particular case, but whatever the outcome, let's hope for justice in the coming child in the coming trial as well as stable homes for the children who sur who survived. This is Mistresses of Murder, and you're listening to us on Amazon or from our website or anywhere that you get your podcast. Um, I will keep updating on this case. It is a lot to take in. It is, however, pretty slim to what, who else could kill this woman and her children and leave a child wandering around. Um, I feel like it's Mitchell Page, but, I mean, we have to have a fair trial. That's what the world's about. So I will keep you updated as things move along. And until we see you again, I will catch you on the flip side. And I'm sorry for my neighbor's dog. <laughs> Bye-bye.